Welcome to the Realm of Endless Stories, a weekly podcast covering books, fanfic, comics, TV, films. If we love it, we read it, watch it, and talk about it. I'm Sarah. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sole. All right. If you don't already do so, please go ahead and follow us on social media. We are on Instagram at Realm of Endless Stories Podcast. Facebook at The Realm of Endless Stories Podcast, and Twitter at Realm Stories Pod. Also, feel free to shoot us an email at Stories at gmail.com with your comments, suggestions for material you'd like to hear us cover, and anything else you might want to say. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please think about writing us a review on whatever pla- podcast platform you listen to and or recommend us to your friends. Uh, reminder, this is not a spoiler-free podcast, and we are marked explicit for occasional cursing and discussion topics. Please note, Good Omens discusses religious themes and concepts. Anything we discuss during this podcast are our own views and do not reflect the views of the authors or anyone else. In this episode, we will be talking about Saturday, although we will be splitting it between two episodes because it is a big section of the book. And it just occurred to me that Elton John made a good point. Saturday night's all right for fighting. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. It is. And... When you started, the first sentence of this of Saturday of the chapter just sets the tone for. It really does. Mm-hmm. It says the sky was redder than blood, so it's like things are going to happen. I get it's chills. Not Saturday. It's oh yeah. Not going to be. So um, just well, red sky and warning. Sailors take warning. Exactly. Uh, we have a delivery man that has been given trinkets to um, two of the four horse people of the apocalypse that delivery man deserves a raise <laughs> oh yeah so much of a raise and like all of the bonuses and like a month-long vacation with his wife like yes. he doesn't know what he signed up for when he was just told hey deliver these packages and we're gonna find out what the rest of these packages are mm-hmm. but like he deserves oh, yeah. all the nice things. Oh, he does. <laughs> he does. He deserves to go on a vacation to Tahiti because it's a magical place. Exactly. Why? That is so Why? <laughs> Why? My love, Phil Coulson. Why would you do that? I hate you. Every time he goes there, he comes back better. Uh, until he figures out what time he lost and then he's all sad. And I don't like I know. That. I know. Phil he's Coulson deserves all the nice things. Okay. He does. <laughs> deserves everything okay so this guy is going to deliver the third package um and he finds pollution um uh, which i think it was great that he's described as off white not white white because you know he's pollution mm-hmm. um but it's also i thought it would be like grayish but no he is off white um he's sitting on a bank of oh, what used to be a river that now is like an industrial sewer and delivers the package that turns out to be a white diamond crown but as soon as pollution puts it on, the crown turns black. And so yeah, he tarnishes on. and it's like. It's it pollutes the, the crown, literally. Yeah, the, the way they did it in the miniseries was beautiful because it's this gorgeous, sparkly tiara, not tiara, but like elegant, like something that mm-hmm. kings and queens would wear. Mm-hmm. And he touches it and you can kind of see the air around it ripple as the black tarnish crawls its way mm-hmm. up and around the crown. Yeah. Mm. Which, I mean, it's funny that everything that is delivered to him, it's either white or sparkly, and then it turns, like, in an instant to something like he is. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so then this delivery man goes back to his truck because he needs to deliver the last parcel and he reads the instructions very carefully and the address just says everywhere. And then um, he writes I look at that and go, what do you mean I'm supposed to deliver this everywhere? Yes. Is this some kind of joke? Like, mm-hmm. Well, and then he writes a note to his wife that just says, I love you. And what I've, you know, the address does say everywhere, but when he, when it says that he, he reads the instructions carefully means that he, there's something that he needs to do to deliver it everywhere. And that mm-hmm. is when he crosses the street and gets run over by a semi. I think they say juggernaut, but uh, I look it up. Yeah, a, a juggernaut. Yeah, he gets run over by either a juggernaut or a lorry. It's British slang for like a big, either a trash truck mm-hmm. or a an eighteen wheeler or something that's incredibly big, going incredibly fast on a road that it shouldn't be going incredibly fast on. Yeah, because bad driving is universal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, and so the next thing he notices, he hears a voice on his left shoulder. Um, the devil on and- his shoulder. <laughs> yes. Well, this this is your creepy guy on. <laughs> oh, oh, my skeleton in a cloak. He's back. He's back. So he's talking to him. Back again. So he's like, he's like uh, you have a message. Oh, well, he first compliments him on his sense of duty to the job. And then- I have to as well. I mean, the guy stepped out in front of an oncoming semi mm-hmm. on purpose. Yes. Is lo- is having basically an out of body experience, looking down on his own corpse, and hears the voice over his shoulder, and most people would just flip the fuck out because they're mm-hmm. dead and oh my god, and his like male person training kicks in and it's just like his voice is shaking, but he's still like committed to what he set out to do. He's like, mm-hmm. I've got a package for you sir well yeah like, he's he says your package is the message so then it says right but so yet he's says, still gonna deliver it even though he's uh-huh. still panicking and eyeing his own body on the ground like that's i gotta commend that guy too mm, yes i mean he that's when i when i said it says everywhere but also says read the instructions carefully like how many times do you read instructions that say hey step you know in front of a semi-truck you need to die to deliver this right like you don't exactly know what the wording of the instructions were it might have said the instructions may have said kill yourself that plainly you don't know how it was described just we just know that he needed to end it up to end it up to end up dead in order to deserve to deliver this message so the first time you read it, he's probably like, this is some kind of joke. The second time he reads it, he he's like, oh, my God, it's not a joke. And that's when he writes the note to his wife yes. just saying, I love you. And I start to cry as I read this because I feel so horrible. Mm-hmm. And to be able to or have to, like, steal your nerves to do this. But would you do it? I mean, I read it two times. I read it three times, and I'm like, "Eff it!" Somebody else right, can, I, I, you know, yeah, I can, no. can deliver this no. message. I can. No. He doesn't. He doesn't really know the importance that he's playing in the yeah. as the apocalypse plays out. He has no idea. He's just the delivery guy. He doesn't have all the information. So, mm-hmm. if it was me, 
I'd like to say I'd like to be brave as a person in general, yeah. but if I had instructions that said deliver a message, but first you got to die, I'd be like, yeah. nope, I quit. I'm yeah, finding another job. Nope, I hear McDonald's is hiring. I'll do that. Yes. Yeah, I, this is, no. This is my two-minute notice. I'm not doing this. Right, um, exactly. He does it for some reason. Um, and the message was for Death was come and see. So Death admires his devotion to the work and tells him something. And I, I'm going to quote it because it's a great line. It says, don't think of it as dying, said Death. Just think of it as leaving early to avoid the rush. And uh, I love this because Mm -hmm. it's not only factual, but death just kind of cracked a joke. Like, because he knows the apocalypse, the end is near. So he's trying to say to this guy, yeah, I'm kind of here to reap your soul because that's kind of what I do. But also, you know, you were going to die anyway. So just think of it as you're you're the go getter. You're you're you're. You're just first out the door. You don't have to sit in the rush hour traffic of everyone else that I have to collect when they're dead. So gold star for you. It's it's Mm -hmm. just a way to say, saying, you know, you're special. Uh, The skeleton in the cloak is smiling with pride. Yes. Yes, he is. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, all these, now every horseman has their trinket, whatever they, or they, message. they yes. had or message or everything. And um, the message was to just, well, they need to get together uh, and they pick a cafe. Are they going to have a party? They're going to have a party. Like it's 19. They're going to party like it's their last, like, uh, what is it's it? <laughs> yeah. So they, they get together in this happy, it's called the happy poker cafe. Um, what a lame they- name for a cafe. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so each one, um, arrives in a motorcycle, so they're the four more bikers. Well, except for death, death is already there pl- playing a video. Shush. Game. Shush. No, don't you shush yes. me. It's I, I haven't gotten there yet. Okay, I have like three points to get there. Well, you said you said there were four motorcycles that arrived well, there. In a motorcycle. I say they arrive in motorcycles. So, okay, Laura is the first one to get there. She has a beautiful. Um, red motorcycle and I love the way that she's described I'm still um, picturing time, Natasha Romanoff yeah but every time they describe her it's amazing because it's oh says, yeah there was something about the sight of a beautiful woman on a powerful motorbike with a sore stuck in the back that had a powerful effect on certain type of men and I said and women you might add because and you know. uh gender mm-hmm. fluid uh and uh, uh people of bisexual gay pansexual all the sexual orientations like even if you're asexual the sight of a a gorgeous woman on a Mm -hmm. gorgeous motorbike you'd still stop and stare and go hot damn like that's Mm -hmm. something yeah Mm -hmm. to call the police and the firemen like and she'd just laugh at them as they like started fighting each other with like a nightstick and a fire hose this is yes. now, I'm just picturing them like now just like stop hitting yourself beating each other with a fire hose and a baton I'm sorry I'm getting off topic um, so the second motorcycle that arrives it's gleaming black and this time was uh, a man it was um, famine and when he arrives oh mister red, I gave myself a fake educational degree yeah <laughs> so when he arrives suddenly there's no more food 
all people are hungry and the only food they can find is food that they don't like. Mm. So they have um, like pizza. Doesn't that just fucking figure? I mean, Mm -hmm. they're like, um, all we have is pizza. And they're like, but does it have anchovies and black? Because we hate anchovies. And, mm. and there's like that's the only one I have. So okay, but um, like I gotta say, if you don't like a pizza topping, just take it off. That's that's my rant for the day. Well, you but you, you the taste remains. Yeah, you can't mm. take off pineapple from a pizza and say, "Ooh, it's awesome! I'll eat it." No, same thing I with have. anchovies. I've never had them, but I guarantee you, if you put fish on anything and mm. then take the fish off the anything and try to eat the anything, it's still gonna taste like fish. No. <laughs> Um, okay, so then the third motorcycle arrives. Um, this one is all broken down, and of course, it's pollution. And it's a young man uh, in dusty white and comes and joins the other two. Um, and they, they, it's so funny because they ask for tea, but one black tea. Um, well, they're British, I know, but it's funny to me that well, actually, the they're not British, of, they're, they're yeah. They're ethereal, occult. Yeah. But I guess they've been living so long as humans that they're like. Well, one was living in America, and America is not. Was it famine in America? America no, was yes. more. Yes, but, they've, they've, but they've also been around since the beginning when all you had, the first drinks that people made was mm-hmm. probably tea, right? Because. And beer and wine. And right. But so, like, I guess. Because I'm thinking like, oh, Garden of Eden, what do you have? Leaves. Okay, so I guess I'm going to have tea. Like, So maybe that's why they like tea, because they're so used to it, because it's that one staple that's been around for their entire existence. Yeah, I just thought that being, you know, the cause or of the end of the world, the horse people, the biker people, they will drink something stronger. No. Tea. So, like, maybe war would be like a... Something very alcoholic that's probably on fire, or like a, a alternatively, because it would be ironic, one of the fruitiest, girliest looking like frappuccinos from Starbucks, mm-hmm. just because she'd want somebody to comment on it so she could like punch them in the face. Now, I feel like she would go for that, but not so she could punch them in the face, but just so she could, like, sip it in, like, that sort of, you know, like, basic way as she watches everyone fighting over her. Yes. that That's so hard. So, yeah, I can see War having a sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So they, they, they gather there. They're waiting for, um, for the fourth um, biker person, Death. Um, but every time there, there's a gang, motorcycle gang playing trivia there. Okay, so every time a new horse people arrives, the, a category, a new category is added to the trivia. So, you know, war arrives, then there's the war category. Um, what the person that is playing that is winning a lot of money and pressing the button for the correct answers is a, it's described as a very tall person and never removes her, his or her helmet. Um, there is a discussion. One of the questions is like, when was Elvis Presley's death? Um, and they said, well, they had two options. It was C, 1977, or D, 1976. So everyone yells for the stranger to press D. He's like, press D. He died this year. And so he says, I never lay a finger on him. Yeah. Yes. You said they never took off their motorcycle helmet. So now I'm just picturing Daft Punk playing a video game at a diner in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, well, it's something like it says he never removes his helmet, and when you looked at him, you see your own reflection, which is great. Right, because well, because that's true of like all motorcycle helmets. It's made the glass is made to be so that you can see through it from the inside of the helmet, but mm-hmm. it it try it's reflective. It's reflective, so like it's just yeah, kind it's of like, like looking. It's looking at when you're with a friend and your friend is wearing sunglasses. You'll see yourself reflected in the lenses. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, to have that be death and to mm-hmm. have, see yourself—that is a very well thought out detail. Yes, especially because you don't see yourself as you are. When you see a reflection through a glass that is not a mirror, you look kind of ghostly or. Mm. Right, it's not and, with the doll in a way, and because the helmet is curved, your image isn't the same either. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was that was funny, and that was funny the fact that, that he's very like, funny. I never. That he's like, I may have done a lot of shit, but I never talked to Elvis Presley. Yes, and that like, goes do not blame to... me for the mm-hmm. quote death of the king. Well. <laughs> Is he implying that he's not dead? He's like, I never lay a finger on him. He's not right. dead. But that yes. goes back to pollution and him flipping burgers. Right. Nobody- he's Because he's not dead. He's flipping burgers in Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah. So he's like, I never lay a finger. He's not dead. Don't blame me for that. That's mm-hmm. a rumor. Um, mm-hmm. So then everybody, you know, the other horse people realized that... Um, that was that was death um and he was already there and there's like when did you get here and he, and when says like well i never went away um and i think i love he, his his answers that are both factual and quippy yeah but do you think he's intentionally being funny or is just like the way he is like when you know supernatural castiel when he talks he's funny but he he's saying it in all seriousness no oh, no i, I think, think that's doing it on purpose I think so, too. I think so, too. Because, I mean, Gallo's humor is a thing. And if you think about it, he probably has so few people he can talk to Mm -hmm. for extended periods of time. And everybody he talks to, like, say, the delivery guy, for example, usually will probably spend the time talking to death panicking their heads off. So it's not like they're having a conversation Mm -hmm. with, with the other horse people and with the people you're about to talk about Mm -hmm. uh soleil he's actually like it's as if you've been by yourself for so long only laughing at your own jokes and there's nobody here to to listen to your jokes and suddenly i have a willing audience so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna tell the truth but I'm going to be fucking sarcastic and yeah. funny about it because this is my time to shine. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. He, um, I, I thought it was very funny. I didn't know if he was doing it on purpose or not. Um, either way, it, the way he's described, it's amazing. Um, so when he talks, he's described as his voice was dark echo from the night places, a cold slob of sound, gray and dead. If Ooh, that voice shivers. was stone, it will have had worse chisel on it a long time ago, a name and two dates. That so, is yeah. just that the words chiseled on it long ago, a name and two dates. And you instantly know it's a gravestone. Yes, and it's your expiration date. Like yes, it's your your date of birth and date of death, and that's just again 
props to Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett for mm-hmm. describing things not going the obvious route, but painting this image with words that you know exactly what they're saying. Yes. And evoking this beautiful imagery that makes you smile because it's so clever, but shudder because it's creepy. Yes. Uh-huh. It, oh, yeah. It is very creepy. Um, so with him, there was another gang of four other people. Um, these are a real motorcycle gang, and they were playing. They're like, oh, cool. Hell's what- Angels, right? No, they they are the Hell's Angels. That's what mm-hmm. I'm saying. The the motorcycle gang. The- no, the, I thought I thought the horsemen are the Hell's Angels because then the other ones joined the Hell's Angels. It could be. I don't. I don't really yeah, remember. Because on War's motorcycle, it says on the side it was painted Hell's Angels. See, I always thought when I read it because I know that Hell's Angels is a real motorcycle gang. Mm-hmm. I thought War had put that there. To be funny, because mm. yes, like they're no angels; they mm-hmm. are from hell. And she would delight in the irony of that of somebody coming up to her and say, "Oh, women are allowed in hell's angels now," and she'd be like, "Oh, honey, isn't <laughs> that cute?" I always thought that they were like that was their um their gang name. Like hell's angel, like very, very being mm-hmm. very literal. Like this mm-hmm. is what it might be. It's that's just always how like I interpreted it. That mm-hmm. like the horse people, because I can see famine going along with it, pollution being like whatever. Mm-hmm. But war to me is the instigator of oh, the yeah. sarcasm jokes and things. So she'd be like, I just because I think they mentioned in the book at one point that hell's angels at least at that point, was an all-male motorcycle organization, mm-hmm. I think. So she'd put that on her bike just in the hopes that someone would come up to her and pick a fight saying, Whoa. you're a woman, you can't be a member of Hell's Angels. Mm-hmm. And she'd be like, oh, sweetie, do you want to see a real Hell's Angel? <laughs> and, like, I, I just, like the fanfic ideas are just like spooling out of my head. Like I can see her, her, her smile, like the literally like the cat that got the canary. Like she's just, well, that's her essence. Her essence is to provoke fight in other people. Yeah. Play with her food. That's what it is. Yes. And it's like, I I show you this dangly toy. Now you fight for it. Right. So that is her. Um, so these other four bikers that are there, they, they, they talk to them. They're like, oh, so you're in a gang too. What chapter? And I love that he said, we are revelations chapter six, verse two to eight. Cause that's exactly when Bible talks about the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Again, death is really fucking funny. What, yes. ch- what chapter of hell's angels are you? Revelations. Cha- like literal, it's a literal true answer. But also really fucking hysterical. But I love that these other bikers are just like, okay, cool. Like, sure, you're the, as they like start to figure out as we're Mm -hmm. talking about that, they're like the literal horsemen of the apocalypse Mm -hmm. where most people would go, okay, time to run screaming. They're just like, okay, cool. Uh, Can we join and like 
start talking to them like, what do you do on your time off? Or like, like yes. asking, asking stupid questions that are like the equivalent of, so what's your favorite color? Like treating them like they're normal people and not afraid in the slightest. I'm like, you guys yes. have no sense of self-preservation. They really do not. <laughs> Especially because like there's no answers and they keep it's like being trying to be welcome to, you know, welcoming to a person that doesn't talk. Like you get almost no feedback except right. what they what they project. Um, so these four bikers says uh, say you know they know that they're bikers of the apocalypse and so they're like oh we need to change our names. So um, these writers are big why because my, my name isn't cool enough. Yeah, because he's called Big Ted. Come on, oh, you have a okay. warrior yeah. solution. You have Big Ted, Greaser, like somebody that eats a lot Greaser of... Greaser is actually pretty, like, because I think of... Me. Well, like, no, see, to me, it makes me think of, like, Greasers, like... It makes me think of, well, like, the movie Grease, like, their, mm-hmm. their gang, like, that... Mm-hmm. 50s mm-hmm. vibe of, like, mechanic type. Like, that's at least kind of cool. Like yeah. Fonzie. Yeah. yeah. Fonzie is way cool. I've <laughs> met we... him. He's really nice. Nice. Is he Grayson? He was, uh, yeah. I don't know, but he complimented me on my cosplay. Okay. Aw. Then he's awesome. Uh, and then we have Pigbog and we have Scoos. Um, yeah, change those names. I wouldn't want to yeah. be named that. They want to change it. So they're like, Big Ted is like, I want to be Grievous Bodily Harm. So he's G-B-H. Um, and Scoo says, I want to be embarrassing embarrassing personal problems. But then he changed. He's like, no, I want to be things not working properly even after you give them a good thumping. But now that is, that's a good, I thought that was very funny because it's like yes. nothing makes you matter that when you try and fix something, you get so mad that you hit it in the hopes that that's going to work and it still doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yes. But that's a whole special level of rage. But secretly, he is no alcohol lager. Mm. <laughs> because what's the point of lager if it's not alcoholic? Yes, exactly. Um, Greaser is, um, he changed his name to Cruelty to Animals, which I think is the best of all this. Because I agree with it animals. personally, yes. Yes. Mm. It's, and, and, you, and I imagine Greaser being like this huge person very very mean and they're like i want to be cruelty to animals i don't know he's so sweet (laughs) for a big person um and then well you know like the beer and tattoos and everything yeah yes steph were you gonna no you you said that that's how you picture greaser i picture Mm -hmm. greaser as kind of like a twinkie person like just like (laughs) very tiny little stick thing like like a string bean of a person yeah yeah like it's like um matt smith like, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you eat like a bean and you're done. Like, you're, you're just yeah. tall and skinny. Yeah, just like a tiny little, yeah. Um, And then Peekbug wants to be um, answer phones. But that's, that's not being really cool uh, people. For those who don't know, answer phones is British slang for an answering machine. Oh, yes. yeah, okay. Uh, but then he's like, he ended up being really cool people just because he hates really cool people. I mean, like the A-list or Hollywood people who are like total assholes. Yeah. yeah I, or just like that, Adam type really cool people. Because I think Adam's pretty cool. Yeah. But no, I think he was thinking like celebrities, like how celebrities yeah. like get famous and then become assholes. That's yeah. what he meant by really cool people. Because okay. obviously your name is like something you, supposed to embody something you hate. 
or something mm-hmm. you're afraid of. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really well, cool people. It could also be like the portrayed idea of um, the king and queen of prom being assholes to all the students. Like I always mm. saw it like that. Oh way. yeah, that's oh, true yeah. too. I, I didn't even think too. of it in like a high school context. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so they decide. You know, these uh, four horsemen are going to, or horse people are going to um, Tatfield. So these other new gang members just ride with them, um, and they feel really cool. So mm. um, because yes. I mean. You yes. just met the real four horsemen of the apocalypse. Why not go for a motorcycle ride exactly. with them? I can't see that ending poorly at all. Mm, no. Nope. So they they ride on this motorway. Um, uh, in the middle of the motorway, there's an overturned truck full of iron bars. Um, and it's still raining fish. Because at this point, it has been raining fish for a while. Even octopuses, I hear. Lobsters. I, Hallelujah? I question mark? Yes. It's, it's raining rain fish. fish. Hallelujah. It's rain and fish. Um, so when they get to the truck, of course, the four horse bikers of the apocalypse just ro- fly right over it. And then... It's I just dis- picture like Hagrid's motorbike kind of fly. I picture mm-hmm. E.T. <laughs> okay, now that. I'm just picturing Death riding a bicycle with a basket in the front, and that's really funny to me. Yes. Um... So um, the police that were there because of the truck, it says they hear three thuds and one slush. So um, three of the four bikers crash into the into the truck because they thought they were going to fly, but they didn't. Um, so they're dead. And the <laughs> they're only not one very th- bright, are they? No, not really. And the no. only one to survive is Cus. Uh, that at this point, when he was. Um, Embarrassing personal problems, a.k.a. things not working properly, even after you give them a good thumping, a.k.a. no alcohol lager. He says, I want to change my name. I want to be people covered in fish. <laughs> which, which I think... And then he passes can... out, right? Yeah. Like, so, and the, so the cop is like, I don't know what the fuck this kid is on, but like, mm-hmm. if his He's last hilarious. words before passing out after being in a motorcycle accident like he's not dying but he's hurt is like i want to be i'm people covered in fish the cops like okay this guy's a loony mm-hmm. yes um i so, mean he yeah. has just suffered immense trauma so yes um so at this point the four horsemen keep going they're gonna get to tatfield to start the end of the world as we know it. All right. And so um, the next thing. And death oh, so feels fine. Anyway. Uh, yeah. He at least feels fine. Um, so the next thing uh, we come into starts with uh, Sergeant Shadwell and Newt. And they are getting the armor of righteousness ready. And the armor includes a pendulum of discovery, thumb screws, and fire lighters. And a book, a bell, and a candle. And Newt, when he hears fire lighters, he's like, fire lighters? Like, what the heck? <laughs> um, we are also told a bit later down how they're supposed to be used. And Shadwell then says he wishes he were going with Newt and wishes him good luck. Does I would he also- really, though? Yeah, yeah. Shadwell is, he misses the old days, but also he strikes me as somebody who's incredibly lazy. 
I think so too. I think he is. Yes. Yeah. Um, I would also like to bring up that pretty much every Witchfinder that we hear, except for Newt, seems to have a ridiculous name. Uh, for example, mm -hmm. there um, it talks about all of these weapons that are uh, on Shadwell's wall. And one of them is the patent muzzle-loading thunder gun of Witchfinder Colonel. Ye shall not eat any living thing with the blood, neither shall ye use enchantments nor observe times, Dalrymple. What if they had to get his attention in a hurry? Ye shall not. Yeah. But, but they all started off with like, like ye, ye thou shall not, shall or, not, shall not or ye not. shall not. I'm like, like, hey Joe. Like, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. They, maybe they picked one particular unique aspect of the name. Like, thou shalt not commit adultery pulsifer is typically called adultery pulsifer. Yeah, and he's <laughs> maybe like, they called this guy no such thing. <laughs> maybe they call this guy Enchantment Dalrymple, and he's like, what? <laughs> That sounds like a superhero name. It does. It does. But yeah, so um, this is basically uh, the the armor of righteousness. And uh, Newt's entire attitude to the whole Witchfinder thing is basically like it's something to do on the weekends, like Civil War reenactments um, in the U.S. And that's like pretty much his entire his entire uh, attitude towards it. And then um, after, you know, we... Uh, see Newt going to do Witchfinder duties, we end up getting a flashback to the day of Agnes Nutter's death and why she leaves the book. And I'm going to go ahead and basically what happens is um, Witchfinder is led by Thou Shalt Not Commit Adultery Pulsifer uh, and the, the village go to Agnes Nutter's house and the first thing that she said is uh, Yatardi I should have been aflame 10 minutes since. <laughs> so, like, she's like, I should have been dead 10 minutes ago. And the ago. people are like, uh... Right, right. There was Her, traffic. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to respond to that. Her literal like, attitude is, um, chop, chop, come on, I need to be dead yeah. now. <laughs> right. Which is, like, so funny to me. Like, who, who knows someone is coming to get them? And they're like, you're late. <laughs> well, well, she, she also she, has a point to make. This well, is she's true. predicting everything to the T, so she needs to be, you know, perfect. Right, 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 right. She's and, like Mary um, Poppins, practically perfect. Perfect in every, in every way. way, yeah, yeah. Um, so that that is her reaction to the mob that comes to her little cottage house thing to set her aflame. <laughs> but they're late. Burn, baby, burn. Yes, Disco pretty much. Inferno. Pretty yeah, much. I mean, we're like a couple hundred years too early for disco, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, just just a couple hundred, like 300, yeah. Yeah. Um. So after she's, you know, tied, while they're tying her, she's like, tie it tight. And <laughs> after she's tied, she says, gather Tied to close the stake. Yes, tied to the stake. She says, gather ye, gather ye right close, good people. Come close until the fire near scorch ye. For I ye that all must see how the last true witch in England dies. For which I am, for so I am judged, yet I know not what my true crime may be. And therefore, let mine death be a message to the world. Gather you right close, I say, and mark well the fate of all who meddle in such as they do not understand. And apparently she smiled and looked up at the sky over the village and added, That goes for you as well, you daft old fool. <laughs> I love that speech that she gives. That, because that whole she's like, like she's... In, she's implying, A, that 
they're a bunch of dumbasses who have finally found an actual witch for the first time ever. And Mm -hmm. so good on Mm -hmm. you, but you guys are idiots. She's implying Mm -hmm. if you're going to actually burn a real witch, you need to witness this because you need to see the result of your actions. You need to be held accountable because you are taking someone's life and you deserve to have to deal with your own conscience after you see it happen. Yes. I just, I love her. She's, and she's not, even though she knew this was coming, she's not afraid. No, she's not. And I love that about her. I admire that. Absolutely. Do you think that's because she's brave or because she knows it's inevitable? Could be a bit of both. Even if you knew your death was inevitable, you could still be scared of it when it comes, even though you know it's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can run away. Run away or even, like, if they end up catching you and, like, you could run away or... Like Agnes say, I'm going to stand my ground. I am going Mm -hmm. to make a point. I am going Mm -hmm. to force everyone to think about what they are doing. Mm -hmm. And if I am to die, I am going to die with a smile on my face, knowing I've done nothing wrong and that these people will learn a lesson in that their thought of witches are bad and all that kind of stuff will have a profound effect on how they think Mm -hmm. and physically affects other people. Oh, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. So that's such a ballsy Gryffindor move. I'm so proud of her. Yeah, it is. And that seriously, that monologue is just fantastic no matter what the circumstances. Oh, it's so good. Kudos on you, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett for writing that paragraph. That is phenomenal. Um, So Adultery Pulsifer uh, ends up being the one who sets Agnes on fire. And thou shalt not. I wonder if it's a reminder to him. That's why, like, <laughs> thou shalt not commit adultery, Pulsifer. Because they just call him adultery, Pulsifer. And he's like, wait, no. There's a reason my name's longer. There was something I forgot. Oh, right. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay, yeah. Okay, I remember now. Thou Go shalt ahead. keep it in thy pants. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> thou shalt keep it in thy trousers. <laughs> thou shalt keep it in thine branches except for thy good wife. <laughs> I wonder if he had a wife. I don't know. He must oh, have. Well, he actually, you're right. He must have because otherwise Newton wouldn't wouldn't exist generations right. later. Right, yeah. right. And he certainly wouldn't have had the last name Pulsifer. But yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, what nobody in the village knew, because like the whole village is here. What mm-hmm. nobody knew is that Agnes had put 80 pounds of gunpowder and 40 pounds of roofing nails in her skirt. And because she did this, there was an explosion that took out everyone in the village. And uh, the next village, like two miles away, even felt it and it woke everyone up. I mean, she did say, gather ye close and see the consequences. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. gather ye right close, good people. Yeah. So you're going to have to, A, think about what you're doing and I know this, but you don't. You're about to die. <laughs> and I feel like that's part of why she was, like, so ballsy about that. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, I, like, I would. I want to meet this person and be like, mm-hmm. you are amazing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the people from the next village over, they come to investigate, find like what's happened, and A when they investigate in the middle of town, yeah. yeah. And when they investigate Agnes Nutter's cottage, they find the book, the nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter, and she had left very detailed instructions about what was to be done with this book. And they thought about burning it, but she'd also left instructions on what would happen to them if they did. <laughs> Well, of course, so, she she can tell the future. So it's like, hey, mm-hmm. if you even think about not doing what I tell you, here's what's going to happen if you disobey. So why don't you just follow my instructions because I asked really nicely right. and I'll, my ghost will forget about the fact that I had to threaten you. So here's a question. We were just talking about this uh, pulsifer with a very naughty name. Um, if If the whole town was there... Does that mean that his wife and kid were there too? Otherwise, the line ends there. I don't think so because um, from what they explained in the book, Witchfinders, like when Shadwell originally explains how the Witchfinder army worked, Witchfinders went from town to town yeah. as needed. So I always so thought of that. No, he was not from that town. He, no. he His family was somewhere else he was just traveling like on business like a traveling salesman except he's a traveling witch burner and they like never say this but i feel like his family is in london for some reason just hmm interesting okay but yeah so he's by himself so the fact that he's dead doesn't have any impact on his line because Mm -hmm. his his um like lineage line um because they're not with him Right, right. Yeah, so, um, and it never says, as far as, you know, like, when the book is found, it never says what happens or what would happen to the people if they did not follow Agnes's instructions. We just know that- What do you think would have happened? What do you think Agnes said? You know what? Because I would love to know. I feel like it was, like, a fiery death like hers. I don't know why, but I just feel like it's, like, some sort of apocalyptic, terrible thing, but just to those people specifically. Like (laughs) a strategically placed meteor strike that she just happened to know, like, a piece of an asteroid falling to Earth. But, like, yeah. yeah. Okay. It has to be, because it has to be something that inspires fear, but you can't say, like, Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, right, yeah. yeah, something tangible that you wouldn't be able to say, well, I can deal with those consequences. It would mm-hmm. have to be something so terrifying. Well, I can oh, prevent yeah. it some way. It has to be right. something that you can prevent, that you know that um, even if you try, you wouldn't be able to stop it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. Like, it's, yeah, it's just got to be something horrible like that and that is I've hired the- a, I've hired a mercenary and given them all of your all of your names so if you do not uh he will be watching and waiting to see you deliver this book if he does not see this book delivered he will hunt all of you down even if you leave this town he will hunt you down and kill you all could have been that too yeah so because I was thinking as I thought about asteroid strike what if somebody said well I'll just move the asteroid isn't going to like target 50 people in 50 different yeah. places on the well, earth. And also if it doesn't happen, then you, you've, you lost complete belief in her and mm-hmm. her book. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Oh yeah. She basically, I mean, I've been watching a lot of once upon a time I'm rewatching. She hired a huntsman. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty and much. And basically said, here's your list. 
watch this house. If they deliver the book, uh, I've already paid you. Your job is done. If they don't deliver the book, start going down the list. Feel mm-hmm. free to get creative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that is the end of Agnes Nutter. And the book gets- Moment of uh, silence for the wonderful yes. Agnes Nutter. Yes. Pour one out for her. Pour one out. Yes. We miss you, Agnes. <laughs> You're a badass. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, so the next thing that we know, um, obviously we know that the book gets passed down through the generations to anathema. And then the next thing that we come across is Newt, who has been stopped hey. by a UFO on his way to Tadfield. Okay, just like, I I see a lot of myself in Newt, in his mm-hmm. awkwardness and his kind of stuff. So like, you're picturing this dorky guy driving down the road, and then all of a sudden, he sees a UFO. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And his reaction isn't panic. It's just like, okay, oh, I guess I'm going to see how this plays out. Yeah, his reaction is kind of like, okay, might as well. <laughs> right? I'm like, that's, like, I admire that. Because, right? I mean, he's he's kind of a nervous type of guy. Mm-hmm. And is. yet he's just like... I could die. They could come out and shoot me. But at the same time, kind of want to know what they have to say because this is weird and I'm interested. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the aliens, um, they end up deciding, they end up telling Newt that why they are here is to give a message of universal peace and such like. And mm-hmm. that's it. That's like the only reason they're here is to I mean, that's say, awesome. Thanks. Peace to you as well, aliens. Yeah. And Peace be with you. And also, also with you. Also to you. <laughs> yes. So, um, and also- with your spirit, shout out to John Mulaney again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, mind if aliens were like, hey, what up? We just came to say hi and uh, hope you have a good day and a good life. And I'd yeah. be like, thanks. I hope that You're for you too. Awesome. Right. Awesome like, love. And then they go. <laughs> Like, like, thank you. Like, that would honestly make my day if the only, now, putting aside all of the, oh my God, aliens are real, I just met one, just anybody coming up to you on the street and saying, hey, like, peace, have a peaceful day, you're doing a good job, that mm-hmm. would genuinely brighten my day. Like, yes. so right? the fact that it's coming from an alien, it's like, that's even more cool. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and th- then they are, they're like, I, I do, do you know also, why real, we were real asked? Quick, oh, go ahead. Real quick, um, when the alien, the head alien, first comes out and talks to Newt, again, I would like to thank uh, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett for being so great about these things. The alien says gre- something like, greetings, m- madam, mister, or neuter. Uh, mentions that it's morning gen- sir or madam or neuter yeah he met so the alien is saying we're not automatically assuming you're a man or a woman mm-hmm. you could be something else and i don't want to be offensive so i am going to make sure that i address okay, you by right. all possibles that's mm-hmm. awesome like yes. we're not even to that point today exactly mm-hmm. 
like and this was and written this was in, in 1990 90. yeah. yeah in 90 yeah so this just shows a it's clear that aliens are better than us because they they're they think more about sensitivities and things mm-hmm. uh thanks guys and also thanks to the authors for for being so respectful of oh, yeah. people aliens are better than people uh, i yes, mean i think that's true I, I agree i mean given i mean given yes. the chaos of the past couple decades there mm-hmm. are a whole lot of people on this planet Mm-hmm. That aliens would be better than. Mm-hmm. Well, they could take for, you know, analysis and investigations. and. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends on which kind I of think. aliens. Some aliens mm-hmm. would be like, we're just here to observe. And I'm like, well, that's not what we want you to do with those people. Oh, yes. Would you like to observe what happens to human flesh when you throw them into the sun? Because I'll let you do that. <laughs> for science. Okay, let's go back to Stephanie. All right, so um, after delivering their message of universal peace and cosmic harmony and such like, uh, the aliens leave. I would also like to note that they look like toads, these particular aliens. (laughs) Although, didn't they say one looked kind of like a small pepper pot? I think so. I I know they're not all described as toads, but the one that delivers the message does. I No, maybe it's like a, a little robot that comes off the ship, because I think that's supposed to be an allusion to the Daleks. Mm, because okay. the Daleks are often described as being shaped like a pepper pot. But if and they you are. Say, if you say toads, that is Toy Story aliens. Little green people. Those mm-hmm. are toad. toad-like mm. aliens. But they're toad-like humanoid-shaped. Yes. Why? It because why not? humanoid-shaped like toads. It says they look like toys. Toad. Toad. toad toads mm-hmm. so that is so are you, are you picturing them like sitting like a toad on the side of the road and like looking up at newt through the who and newt's looking down out his window because they're crouched on all fours maybe mm-hmm. they are on something maybe they are on little they brought a box to stand on <laughs> <laughs> like little spaceships <laughs> See, I always pictured, and I mean, I think it helps that we have the miniseries to go off of, that they're, to provide an image, they're humanoid in that they stand on two legs, mm-hmm. but that's where the similarities end. The rest of them is toad-like, their, their skin, their mm-hmm. facial structure. I wasn't picturing them sitting like the toad in Lilo and Stitch on the side of the road that stitch is like i'm gonna challenge you with my blaster and the toad's just like whatever mm, like no i that's why i picture them like the toy store in the way that they were small and green not like human with toads with i'm it. only picturing the small green army men no the the aliens the claw oh okay 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 yeah the only aliens in toy story <laughs> you have saved us all Yes. Those. The claw has chosen you. You. You those. have been the claw. Exactly. Yeah, okay. One. Okay. Now that we, because I was like, you're talking about the bucket of soldiers. They don't look like toads. <laughs> I was very puzzled. I have been chosen. Goodbye, yes. friends. Yes. That one. <laughs> okay. So, now, now, now I see where we are. Okay. So, Steph, aliens okay. have left. We are all blessed with cosmic harmony. And the same to you, aliens. Now what? <laughs> Um, 
And then we kind of switch to Adam and the them. And Adam is telling the them all about these different things that he read in Anakuma's mm-hmm. magazines. And what he talks about specifically are aliens, Atlantis, pagan gods, because he mentions Pan a couple of times, and saving the whales. All of these events that ha- Adam talks about end up happening without him knowing it. I, that is an important thing to note. Mm-hmm. I think if I remember correctly, when they're talking about Pan, because Pan is uh, half goat, half man, mm-hmm. didn't they go on for like half a page about which half of him was the goat half? I, I thought you were going to say half did. goat, half Danny DeVito. Well, yes. <laughs> yes, that's true. Mm. But technically, Danny, the half goat, half Danny DeVito, he's a satyr, not... Um, but but yeah. yes, but but yeah, they're like, well, which half of him is the goat? And then one of them goes, well, obviously the bottom half. If he talks like a person, like <laughs> stupid, like it's. I just love that the kids are thinking about something that's so like deep and a problem, um, a, a, like a deep theological problem, and. Mm-hmm. Then they stop that discussion in the middle to be like, well, which half of him is the goat half? See, and I love that they include these things because that is such an 11-year-old thing to do. Yes. Right. Like, I just thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it, it really is. So um, while Adam is talking about all of these things and they're discussing which half of Pan is the goat, mm-hmm. uh, they hear this like – sound of screeching tires and crunching metal and so they run to investigate and they see that there is a car that has been in an accident and inside is it was an accident yeah it was he knew it was in an accident because suddenly there was this big hole that appeared out of nowhere with two tibetans in it wait where was the hole in a tree no it was in the ground (gasps) a hole in the ground with tibetans in it aren't they in england they are. So why, so why are there, there Tibetans in, in a hole in England? I mean, that's nice of Newt to to get into it, to be willing to get into an accident to swerve to avoid hitting them. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's very he's a, he's a nice guy. I love Newt. Yes. So uh, they decide very quickly. Uh, I think it's Wensleydale who's like, we shouldn't move him in because of broken bones. We need to go find someone to help. And so Adam. And but they end them. up moving him anyway, don't they? Right. Like they pull him out of the car. Yeah. They're like, "What if it catches fire?" And Pepper's like, "You're all a bunch of morons." Like, because his car's upside down. Right. So they just so, kind of like yank him out the window. I yeah, I think they pull him out, but that's all they do to move him. And then they run and get Anathema, and mm-hmm. I Anathema knows about him because of the how book of is she psychic? Her grandmother was. <gasps> Shout out to Agnes. Yes. Um, so Anathema comes to help Newt. And she when she sees him, she uh, like she she knows the prophecy, so she knows that this is the guy. And she is kind of disappointed because she was hoping for someone tall, dark, and handsome. And poor Why? Newt, what does this prophecy say other than the fact that she was going to rescue somebody from a car accident? I am getting there. <laughs> I'm interested. I'm waiting. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> so um, she ends up uh, coming to the aid of Newt. 
and she's a little disappointed, but she ends up taking back to Jasmine Cottage, and Newt wakes up. While he's laying in her bed in her room, she explains the book of the prophecies and wants to show them to Newt. And since Newt is still awful at electronics, she ends up handing him some papers that had been like transcribed of the book because she still can't find the book. I know where the book is. I know where the book is too. I don't. I'll tell you. Um, uh, Aziraphale has it. I was going to say, is it with a certain angel? We know that. Who's lunching at the Ritz? <laughs> no, yeah. he's not lunching at the Ritz. He's still sitting in front of this thing so much that his, his cocoa is like a brick now. <laughs> Pretty much at this point. Um, but yeah. Uh, and the one of the prophecies in the book is that Anathema and Newt will sleep together. <laughs> Which is why she was hoping for someone tall, dark, and handsome. Now... Okay. For those of you guys who've seen the miniseries, uh, he may not be what people describe as tall, dark, and handsome. He's tall, nerdy, and cute as fuck, and I would totally be excited about hitting that. I don't know about you. <laughs> no, seriously, Jack Whitehall is super adorable. I love him. He's really cute. I, I was like, he- why would you be disappointed? He's hot. He's hot. I like the, the smart, dorky ones. They, yes. I love that this is, has been scheduled for a hundred years like mm-hmm. yeah you're both gonna bone and it has been scheduled from, <laughs> that's like, gotta forever. be awkward like when anathema was first old enough to understand what that prophecy meant and she's like what do you mean that my great 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 grandmother knew i was gonna fuck some guy i just rescued from a car accident like well and it's get out of my business agnes and it's also embarrassing mm. that all your family read it and knows about it. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. Like your mom taught oh, yeah. you, you are going to got this guy and then, well, you're going to have sex with him. Your well, mom then I, I guess her mom definitely gave her the safe sex talk because if she read that prophecy, she's like, well, I can't mm-hmm. stop it from happening. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yes. That's um, what she said. That's pretty much yeah good practice but yeah so um that is where we leave newt and anathema and mm-hmm. then we switch our banging attention in the at- middle of a storm yes banging in the middle of a storm like a screen door get it newt hell yeah also <laughs> get it anathema i love both of you <laughs> all right so then we transfer back to the them and adam is beginning to change and becomes very controlling and creepy. Uh, he starts talking about how fed up he is with the world, specifically Tibetans and Atlanticans. And he also talks about wishing all of the nuclear bombs would go off. So I'm going to go ahead and read you this little paragraph. Uh, the them are becoming, well, the them are also becoming increasingly worried and frightened. And they're like, they're like uh, this is not the Adam we know and love. Goes, this one right. sounds angry. Right, and Adam is like, he might get frustrated, he might get annoyed, I love it, but he's never, like, angry. He's he's never, like, with that fierce determination of, Mm -hmm. like, I'm actively going to do something. Right, and this is the point where he starts um, deciding he wants things to change. And this is what he says. Adam wasn't listening, at least to any voices outside his own head. Because he's been hearing voices that tell him, you can change things. You can change things. You've yes. got the power. 
Like, I've got the power. Yeah. I don't think they sang to him, but I mean, it's all the Probably same. Probably not. But yeah, so Adam wasn't listening, at least to any voices outside his own head. It's all too much of a mess, he said. We should start again. Just save the ones we want and start again. That's the best way. It'd be doing the earth a favor. When you come to think about it, it makes me angry seeing the way those old loonies are messing it up. And this is where the them are like, I I don't know if they would say this as 11 year olds, but this is where they're like internally kind of like, oh, fuck. <laughs> right. Like some yeah. things it's, it's a, like a, a switch has been flipped. Yes. We're no longer, he's no longer daydreaming about how we could make the world better. Mm-hmm. He's, if he could, he's he actively would do things. Yes. And this is the chaos theory butterfly that flipped in his mind in the last podcast. This is the result of that. Yeah. Well, when you, when you think about him, um, wasn't it better that he was raised by a good parents, a good couple? Cause he has a sense of, uh, when he starts feeling all this power, it's not, I'm going to use it to gain whatever I want, which would have been the, the case with Warlock. You know, if he started having this power, he, he would have been, because he's such a prat, he would have been like, mm-hmm. you know, um, I want this, I want this. And if, if you, if I don't like you, I'm going to hurt you. But I think because Adam was brought up in kind of a normal and loving parents, household then he's like i have this power but everything he wants to use it for is to make the world better right right right. and i think because he was raised in that kind of environment and he did have those parents and i would also venture to say even his sister um Mm -hmm. that's why aziraphale feels so much love in and for tadfield because of adam Mm -hmm. exactly I mean, so the change was a good thing so far. Yeah, so, so far. far. So far. So far. Okay, so we're going to, I'm going to give you a quick list of, that will go through the end of this part of Saturday of all the apocalyptic events that have happened thanks to Adam unconsciously Mm -hmm. changing things and messing with reality (laughs) so he made a nuclear reactor disappear Mm -hmm. he made the lost city of atlantis rise uh the tibetan tunnels were real and uh the tibetans are still fine thanks to newt swerving to avoid them i'm very proud of him Mm -hmm. gold star um a tornado or, or a hurricane in tadfield which is very unusual weather for Tadfield. Um, not that Anathema and Newt are really noticing. Uh, they're <laughs> kind of busy. They have a tornado of their own. They yeah. have other priorities. Yes. Um, new rainforests have appeared in South America. Uh, it's raining fish. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And yeah. not just not just fish. Uh, sharks, lobsters, crabs, like uh, all kinds of an octopus that wave at you. Yeah, an octopus. It's a smorgasbord. Yeah, there's an octopus on top of a pile of fish that was like waving a tentacle, and one of the police officers 
like it mentions in the book that he's like he had to restrain himself from waving back like (laughs) and the final thing that will happen before the end of our part of saturday is the rising of the kraken and release uh, the kraken yes well it kind of released itself um (laughs) it says the kraken stirs and 10 billion sushi dinners cry out for vengeance. <laughs> I just love that. Yeah. It's, it's like, try eating line. me now, motherfucker. See how you <laughs> like it. Okay, so while Newt and Anathema are getting oh. busy, and the them are busy. Getting busy. <laughs> no, trying no, to talk a, Adam a down. way. They're getting in a different way. They're they're getting busy trying to figure out kind of how to calm Adam down or just back away slowly without having Adam like lose his shit at them. Mm-hmm. Right. Az- Aziraphale's in his bookshop and he's uh created like um a summoning circle on the floor mm-hmm. of the bookshop. He wants to talk to a higher authority. He wants to talk to God. Mm-hmm. And he he doesn't get God. He gets the Metatron, which biblically is uh, the voice of God. No, not Megatron. Um, Megatron like wouldn't Metatron help him. from Supernatural. Megatron wouldn't help Aziraphale either. Megatron would just laugh. Megatron would be like, this is what I wanted. He'd be like, this is great. I mean, because I can then use the slag that you've melted this planet into to rebuild Cybertron. Like, fuck you, Angel. Like, suck it, Optimus Prime. I'm going to win this. Um, So the Metatron, who is the voice of God, uh, Aziraphale's talking to him saying, look, I found out where the Antichrist is. We can put a stop to this, even though there's only half a day left before the world ends. We can stop this. We can save everyone. Mm-hmm. And the Metatron is like, yes, yes, that's all very good. We're proud of you for all your effort that you've put in. But you're missing the point, Aziraphale. We want to win this war. We have no intention of stopping this war. Mm-hmm. And Aziraphale is like stunned and heartbroken because and like, I, I I think in his heart of hearts even though heaven's been kind of pushing back on him the entire time saying no 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 that he thought that they'd eventually change their minds mm-hmm. and be like okay we'll we'll settle things down again because Aziraphale is like the representation of hope and optimism and right I feel like this moment where the Metatron says we're going to win this war and uh, I expect you to report back to heaven like now. And Aziraphale says, well, I have a couple things I need to wrap up first, but then I'll come. His, You can kind of hear his heart breaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in a way, you always think about heaven as being the good guys and hell being the bad guys. So the fact that the good guys still want to go ahead with this war and wipe out the planet or whatever it is. Everything. Wipe out everything. Mm -hmm. It it kind of contradicts your idea of goodness. Like Mm. good should not, not want to do this. It will want to stop it. Yeah. And this is why I, in my opinion, Aziraphale and Crowley are team free will in this book. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. And I mean, 
Aziraphale has kind of, I think, justified heaven's actions to this point as part of the ineffable plan ineffable meaning it's not able to be understood or meant to be understood we -hmm. just know it's a good thing because it comes from heaven and he thinks okay well these bad things are happening but it will all be okay in the end Mm -hmm. and when the metatron says no we're going to fight this war we're going to win and prove that we're better than hell azir feels like this is this can't be right. Like I'm for the first time he's questioning. Mm-hmm. He, he never doubted. He was always, even when he's talking to Crowley, he never doubted that heaven was the better side was doing what was right. Mm-hmm. And now that the Metatron said, no, we're going to have this war anyway. PS uh, report for duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, feels like it's your gun. This is wrong. Yeah. This is we're supposed to be the good guys and this is this is wrong. Mm-hmm. And I if they're not going to stop it then I'm going to have to try and do something myself. And I feel so bad because his heart is just like shattered. Mhm. Yes. Yeah. So he's been having this conversation with the Metatron and while he's been having this conversation with the Metatron, Sergeant Chadwell had decided to drop by the bookshop. And mm-hmm. he uh, uh, has been look- listening through, like, the the letter box where they shove the, the post in every day, the one that's attached mm-hmm. to the door. Mm-hmm. So he's only, he can only see Aziraphale, and he hears the Metatron, but he can't see what's going on. He doesn't really know who Aziraphale's talking to, but he hears Aziraphale talking to basically no one and mm-hmm. something is responding. And Shadwell is like, oh my fucking God, I found a witch. Oh my God, my time has come. And so he like blasts in through the door Completely ignoring the closed sign on the door, which, rude. Um, and uh, is like, I knew it this whole time. You're a witch. You're communing with the devil. I have my, my, and he's picking up things, my, my bell. And he picks up a book off of one of the tables, a book and a candle, which I think it's described as like pink and of the birthday cake persuasion. And he's like, fine, it'll it'll work anyway. It's a birthday candle. Candle's a candle. Who the fuck cares? And he's all revved up. And he's pointing his right hand at Aziraphale. And Aziraphale's like, look, calm down. You've got it all wrong. And you've got to stay away from this circle that I've drawn on the floor. It's not safe. Stop. And, and Shadwell keeps advancing on him. So Aziraphale mm-hmm. keeps backing up. And he's getting closer and closer to the circle. And he's like, mm-hmm. look, you got it all wrong. I am not a witch. And he's, Shadwell is just gone on this tirade. And so he's like, I am going to exercise the demon and like points his right hand and has stepped close enough to Aziraphale that Aziraphale backs up and Aziraphale is now in the circle. And mm-hmm. the circle that uh, was how he was talking to Met- the Metatron. And yeah. for the first time in 6th 
thousand years, Aziraphale curses. And he says, oh, fuck. And is discorporated and vanishes. Mm -hmm. Now, so discorporation, he's not dead. His physical body is gone. His being entity has been like beamed back up to heaven. Shadwell's standing there with his pointer finger of his right hand outstretched, looking at his hand like, oh my god, I just fucking vaporized a demon. <laughs> Panicked like no tomorrow. Like and this like should not have that much power. Right. Like I like I believed in witches this whole time, but I think I just killed a person. Mama, mm-hmm. just, just kill, kill the, man. the man. So he flips the fuck out and like races out of the bookshop. And in his fumbling haste to mm-hmm. leave the bookshop, knocks over a candle that was lit. Mm-hmm. The candle starts a fire. Mm-hmm. And, it's Perspective, a and it's a bookshop. So lots of, lots of flammables in a bookshop. The perspective changes. We're following Shadwell now. He's stumbling back to his flat, like cradling his right hand because he thinks he's like a human fucking bomb that can like, (laughs) if he like points at people, he can make them vaporize. And he runs into Madam Tracy, who's home. And she's like, you look pale. You're shaking. Oh my goodness. What's wrong with you? He doesn't even have the the heart to call her like a whore or anything. He's so fucking panicked. He treats her like a normal person. Oh Mm. my God. And so Madam Tracy's like, look, come with me. He brings, brings Shadwell into her flat and is like, look, you're going to take a nap and then I'm going to make you some tea and then everything's going to be okay. And so uh, Shadwell goes into Madam Tracy's very, very, very pink, full of stuffed animals bedroom and like falls asleep pretty much instantly instantly Mm -hmm. while this is happening crowley is at home in his flat Mm -hmm. and he knows that hell is coming for him because they found out about the fuck up that it's not the antichrist obviously because they tried to take the kid and the hellhound and there was no hellhound so wrong kid so they're like we're coming for you so Crowley prepares mm-hmm. like any 12-year-old would put preparation into and I have to give him uh I, yeah I have to I have to give him credit for his silly ingenuity mm-hmm. um because he knows Haster and Liger the two demons that he was talking to at the beginning of the book and throughout the other the rest of the book mm-hmm. um are are coming to his flat to take him back to hell and be punished tortured whatever for eternity whatever it is it's not gonna be pretty um so uh in preparation crowley had gotten a hold of a thermos of holy water Mm -hmm. now you can send a demon back to hell by killing its body yes holy water utterly destroys a demon kills it there is no nothing to return to hell like it just it's, like it's gone it's gone so crowley taking a page out of saturday cartoons pours the holy water into a bucket 
mm-hmm. opens the door to his flat a little bit, balances the bucket on top of the open door. So Haster and Liger open the door. Liger pushes the door open. The bucket of water falls on his head. And Liger oozes and bubbles and grossly, horribly dies. I mean, kudos to Crowley. He handled holy water knowing what it could do to him first. Oh, did yeah. He, did he get this from a Seraphel? I think so. Yes. I think he did. Yes. So it's like, yeah. Also and they do Seraphel- say he handled it with, like, uh, the kind of rubber gloves that you'd use to handle, like, liquid nitrogen and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. he was super careful when he did yeah. this. And in but- the um, in the miniseries, they even had that discussion, and Aziraphale's like, no, I'm not going to get that to you. I'm not giving you a suicide pill. But still, the, the I mean, I'm guessing that even with rubber gloves, if you spill some on you, it will go through the gloves. So the fact um, that he's doing this... Yeah, um, might putting his own safety at risk, but because of the greater good, if you want to say it in a way. I think the greater really, bad? The greater <laughs> bad. Um, it's really, really um, smart and brave of him. Yes. So, Liger's goop on the oh. ground right now. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he real did. Yeah. Uh, and Haster's like, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you'd stoop so low. Like, even for a demon that's fucked up, man. Now I'm really gonna hurt you. So, Hester is like, okay, I'm gonna get you. You're pinned in your flat. And Crowley pulls out his plant mister, his, like, squirt bottle that he misses his plants that he yells at all the time. Uh, and he Crowley tries to bluff, and he's like, do you feel lucky? Because this is full of holy water, too. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for Crowley, Hester actually is very observant and notices a drop of water drip from the nozzle to the onto Crowley's finger on the trigger of the plant mister. Yeah. And uh and so he realizes that. It's just water. It's, uh, just it's, water. it's not holy water. It's just regular water. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Haster's now like, okay, I can really get you now. I have nothing to be afraid of. He's out of options. So Aziraphale is, this is before he's doing the ritual, is calling Crowley on his phone. And Crowley goes, oh my God, I have an idea. And so Aziraphale's, calling the phone is ringing and ringing and ringing and the answering machine picks up and Crowley basically says you know what see a sucker shrinks himself down to like atomic size and jumps into the telephone wires through the answering machine mm-hmm. and uh the book mentions uh the physics of how this can happen and I'm not going to really get into it, but they discuss like how many, the the question that tends to get asked, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? And they say that angels don't dance. However, (laughs) Aziraphale did learn a dance called the Gavotte 
at a discreet gentleman's club and really, really loved it and was actually pretty good at it and was very disappointed when the dance went out of style. So technically the answer to how many angels can dance on the head of a pin is one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That well, angel is zero. They, they boogie. No, that's what demons do. Demons boogie? Yeah. Um, but so they describe that... Um, the physics of how like Crowley shrunk himself and it's not important, but so they're both uh, Crowley and Haster are traveling through the telephone wires and uh, Crowley manages to bounce out of the answering machine, leaving Haster stuck in the answering machine at minuscule demon size, just like yelling into the answering machine. I'm going to get you. I'm going to, this is like, all yeah. these threats and Crowley's like, yeah, don't care. Bye. And uh, it wasn't nice knowing you. I'd say see you in hell, but I'm not going to be there. So <laughs> he leaves his flat to go find Aziraphale. He goes to the bookshop and finds the bookshop entirely in flames. The fire department is there. The whole bookshop is burning. And... There are crowds around, fire trucks, ambulances, and the building's like on the point of collapse. And Crowley's mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my- well, not oh my god. He would never say oh my god, <laughs> oh my but he's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Doesn't even think about it. Runs straight into the fucking burning building, and the firemen are like, "What the fuck? This guy just got out of a car that he stopped in the middle of the street." And ran into a burning building like a loony. And Aziraphale, he's, he's like shouting, going through the falling, burning rafters. Everything's on fire. Uh, he's catching fire himself, uh, shouting for Aziraphale. Aziraphale is nowhere to be found. And uh, you can tell that he's absolutely heartbroken. And... The one thing he does notice while he's running around in the bookshop looking for Aziraphale is the nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter. Mm -hmm. So he pockets the book and runs back outside. And I know I'll touch on this again when Mm -hmm. we get to talking about the miniseries, but this entire scene of Crowley going into the bookshop, coming out of the bookshop, looking devastated because... Mm -hmm his best friend is dead as far as he knows Mm -hmm. queen's somebody to love is playing and i just all the feelings because find me somebody to love and crowley's standing there like where's a zero fail like it's it's just heartbreaking isn't Mm -hmm. it um no, I don't want to say fun because it's not fun. But both our main characters, the angel and the demon, they're both heartbroken at this point. One mm-hmm. because he learned um, what heaven's plan was, and it, he doesn't agree with it. And the mm-hmm. other one because of love. But both of them because of love are different things to each other. But for Asirafel, it's also for love to humanity and and the planet that he um he really wants to save right so crowley gets back into the bentley he's singed ash everywhere 
the firemen are like, how the fuck is he alive? But, uh, and he drives off into the night, really with no destination yet in mind. Um, and I think it's funny because the firemen are standing around and watching him leave. And they're so shocked at what they saw that one of them says something like, he really should have his, his headlights on. <laughs> and like, cause they don't know what to make of this man yeah. runs into burning building. Like a crazy person comes out only slightly singed, gets back into car and leaves. What, what do you even say to that? Like, <laughs> so he's just like, yeah, uh, he should have had his headlights on. It's kind of dark out. Like, <laughs> so, uh, Aziraphale has been discorporated. So he's now mm. like a spirit or a ghost. He can, he has no physical form, but he's still alive. So he is jumping from person to person mm-hmm. across the globe, trying to get back to somewhere in Britain near Tadfield. So now, he's I, always ha- found, I always found that interesting. Why across the globe? So when you get discorporated, you don't stay like in the area where you were discorporated? No, I think... Whatever? Well, I think the way I always understood it, um, just from the book point of view, is that you like you got sent back up to heaven because that wasn't uh, the, how he was talking to the Metatron was an open communication line to heaven. Um, So he got sent up to heaven and he just said, okay, I don't have a body. I'm going to shoot myself in the direction of earth. And he has no control over where he lands. Like, okay. So he's just like, I'm trying to find out where I am. And that's why he has to keep jumping from person to person. Mm -hmm. Because he's like, nope, not where I need to be. Like, mm-hmm. the first person he inhabits is a gentleman on a walkabout in Australia. And he's like, nope, that's not where I need to be. Thanks, guy. Bye. And uh, he jumps again. He's in Haiti. And he's like, nope, still wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Third time's the charm, maybe. Uh, gets The third one's really funny because he ends up in America inside a televangelist who's mm-hmm. recording a program on TV about the devil and everything. And then Aziraphale starts talking and the way it works is when Aziraphale talks, his words come out of the person that Aziraphale is inhabiting out of their mm-hmm. mouth. Mm-hmm. So you can tell it's two different people, but it's one physical body. Yeah. So this American because he, this American televangelist has a live on TV total fucking meltdown because he yeah. thinks he's being inhabited by a demon. And Aziraphale's like, no, actually quite the opposite. And then pauses for a second and he's like, oh, good Lord, am I on TV? And <laughs> I'm like, you cutie. Um, but he's like, still not where I need to be. Gotta try again. Finally ends up uh, in England, because our very own uh, Madam Tracy is parting the veil, giving a reading, a psychic reading to a family mm-hmm. when Aziraphale comes and inhabits her. And I'm not going to go into it, but it's very funny because of the family and the, the mom's real pushy. And they want to talk to the dead husband. And Aziraphale, like, actually makes the connection happen 
But he's like, he wants you to know this, this, and for you to shut up and leave him alone. Now, could you please leave? I have business to talk with with this woman. And so, like, the family quickly gets shooed out. And uh, Shadwell, who'd been sleeping in Madam Tracy's bedroom, mm-hmm. wakes up and hears Madam Tracy. And he hears Aziraphale. And he recognizes Aziraphale's voice. Yeah. So he assumes that Aziraphale is here. And so Shadwell rushes out of the bedroom to confront Aziraphale, ready to be like, you demon, you get away from her. Even though he always calls her a Jezebel and a whore and a yeah. all this. He's ready to defend her honor because Aziraphale the demon is going to like do horrible things to her. And so he comes like blasting out of the bedroom, ready to like start throwing punches or whatever. And notices that Madam Tracy is alone. There's no one else in the apartment other than Mm. Shadwell and Madam Tracy. And well, at least not someone who is currently corporated. Right. So Madam Tracy with help from Aziraphale, uh, taking turns using, Madam Tracy's voice explained to Shadwell what happened Mm -hmm. that Aziraphale got discorporated the apocalypse is happening I need I Aziraphale need to get to Tadfield and Madam Tracy's like well I can help with that I have a scooter and uh and Shadwell's like well I'm not letting you go anywhere with this demon and Aziraphale who is like I do not have time to argue and set you straight that I am not a demon, whatever. If you're going to come fine, but just get on the fucking scooter. And cause we have like less than three hours to get to Tadfield before the end of the world happens. We got to make haste. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Shadwell, who Mm -hmm. is terrified of going quickly on any mode of transportation, um, hangs on to the back of Madam Tracy as she slash Aziraphale and Shadwell head for Tadfield on an angelically sped up uh, motor scooter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a, that's an amazing visual. It is. It is. And while this is happening, um, the city of London is on lockdown because it started with the overturned truck of iron bars mm-hmm. and the piles of fish, sharks, octopi, and other things occupying mm-hmm. the highway that they had to shut down because, yeah. I mean, it's... Raining fish. It's... So, for the first time, the entire city of London is gridlock. And Crowley has decided that he... Um, is going to, like, even though he's lost Aziraphale, he's decided, you know what? Fuck it, I'll do it myself. I'm going to head for Tadfield. And so I'm going to take the Bentley and I'm going to get on the M25, which is the circular-ish motorway highway that circles London, mm-hmm. um, and head for Tadfield and try and stop the apocalypse by myself. I'll make up a plan as I go. Mm-hmm. And he... um. He had taken time to read through Aziraphale's notes on um, Agnes's prophecies and to do some serious thinking about the apocalypse. And he had come to a couple of conclusions. Mm-hmm. And I want to read from the book here. His conclusions could be summarized as follows. One, 
Armageddon was underway. Two, there was nothing Crowley could do about this. Three, it was going to happen in Tadfield, or to begin there, at any rate. After that, it was going to happen everywhere. Four, Crowley was in Hell's bad books, not that Hell had any other kind. Five, Aziraphale was, as far as could be estimated, out of the equation. Six, all was black, gloomy, and awful. There was no light at the end of the, of the tunnel, or if there was, it was an oncoming train. Seven, he might just as well find a nice little restaurant and get completely and utterly pissed out of his mind while he waited for the world to end. Eight, and yet. And that's where it all fell apart. And it says, because underneath it all, mm-hmm. Crowley was an optimist. If there was one rock-hard certainty that had sustained him through the bad times, then it was the utter surety that he would come out on top, that the universe would look after him. So he basically is sitting in the Bentley and steals himself and says, you know what? Everything's against me. I've been in bad spots before. My Mm -hmm. best friend is gone. I have literally nothing to lose. Fuck it. I'm going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. So he steals himself for what's to come, knowing he has he has to get through the gridlocked M25 in less than two hours and says, hi ho, puts the Bentley in gear and starts driving. Mm-hmm. Now, again, how amazing is that he could have run he could have said you know i'm going to spend my last day whatever but he's still trying to save or prevent armageddon for the world now i have a question yes is is he doing it for himself is he doing it because it's the right thing to do is he doing it as a combination of some of those things or is he is he doing it because it's what Aziraphale would have wanted? Um, I don't think I don't think he thinks it's the right thing to do. I don't think he has that, but I think he's doing it for him and Aziraphale. Mm. He's doing it for that's both. really sweet. Yeah, I mean, I because I, you're right. All he, he cares. Yeah, he could have. He he even says, like, I I could have sat in a bar and got pissed drunk and be sad about my best friend being dead until the world ended. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Fuck that. If I have mm-hmm. any chance, which I might not, mm-hmm. of stopping the apocalypse, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna try. Like, and what I, do I have to lose? I've lost everything that's important mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And I think he also does it because. I, at this point, he he um, understands that Aziraphale believed in him. Mm-hmm. It, it's that sense that, you know... He I'm making a super face be... right now because I... Because Aziraphale believes in Crowley and I have feelings. I know. It's like he believed that I could be better, that I could do things that I ignore or just, you know, I don't care. Um, and I think he has that sense of responsibility um, mm-hmm. because of that belief in him that he can do it, he can stop it, he can be a good demon for once. I mean, demons were angels once. Yes. He does have that ability. Mm-hmm. I just, the, 
that just that question. I mean, I think he's doing it because he's he's like, you're right. You know, I'm not the to- the kind even though I do sit and mope occasionally, but if I have, I can do something to stop something terrible, I'm going to do it. But also it's what Aziraphale would have wanted. And mm-hmm. since he's out of the equation, I'm going to continue what we started because if I die in the process, I don't have Aziraphale now anyway. So that was the only reason I was sticking around. Mm-hmm. So now, is and there I a chance so that points. he knows that um, Aziraphale is just misplaced and not dead? No, I, no. at this point, he thinks he's dead. Yeah. He doesn't know what happened. Because the bookshop's on fire, so you mm-hmm. can't really... I don't think it mentions that he sees the circle on the ground. And even if he did, I don't know if he would know enough about how heaven works to know that mm-hmm. that would have only discorporated him. Because, like, like, he knows for demons that, you know, the only way to kill it is to make it a pile of goo with um, holy water. So wouldn't it be, like, the same thing but different for, for, for angels? Well, on, the same, on that same note, Haster and Liger came after Crowley. Maybe he thinks that some, a couple other angels came after Aziraphale. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But with the intention to take him to heaven, because um, no, the, with the intention of killing him, because he's why? the only one that could stop Armageddon. Well, but when they when they came for Crowley, they came to take him to hell, not to well destroy because, him. Well, yes, to eventually destroy him, they were going to take him to hell to torture him because a swift death was too good for him. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't the angels also take him to heaven for some type of? Um, punishment slash trial slash the way i always thought at least the way angels are described in this book and i'm trying not to let the mini series with its additions Mm -hmm. that aren't in the book influence that if the metatron said no we're gonna have this war I think if they took him back to heaven, he still, he, Aziraphale, still would have had the opportunity to meddle and proper and possibly, uh, possibly like mess up their plans to Mm kickstart the end of the world, where I think they would have wanted to dispose of him quickly and quietly to make sure he had no opportunity to get in the way of their plans. Mm. That's really creepy. I know. Heaven destroying their own angels. I know. That's a very oh, yeah. disturbing fact. Because I, I can, know it you is. know, from from hell, you can you can totally believe it. But if you're talking about heaven, that always there, there's always like you know you you repent for your from your sins and then you're forgiven. It's all about forgiveness and and um, retracing your steps in a way to be a better person and the and thinking that they can come just and. But that in in heaven's eyes, Aziraphale is rebelling. That's forbidden. I mean, it's canon that, at least in the miniseries, I'm not sure if it mentions this in the book, I can't quite remember, but the only thing Crowley did was question. And that was considered a rebellion. What what Aziraphale is doing would be outright treasonous. Right. So I would think they'd want to remove him off the chessboard completely. So mm-hmm. that he had no opportunity to do anything so that they could just say, okay, now that that distraction's gone, let's get this show on the road. 
Yeah, it's like, uh, it, it's, it, it's, it's interesting that you said that because this is like a chess game in which the black and white queens are working together. But isn't it, isn't it um, interesting that the whole heaven that has thousands and millions of angels cares so much about this one angel that's on earth? Are you going to tell me that he, they, they, there's no other way to stop him or send them somewhere? Um, and it also, uh, t- to me, it's, uh, it relates a lot with any regime that's on earth. That if you have one person that is willing to rebel, how that person can influence others and mm-hmm. gather momentum. So maybe what they're trying to destroy is the idea of the revolution and not the person itself, if that makes sense. Right, Here's right. Here's the thought. The butterfly in Adam's head to change things. Aziraphale is heaven's butterfly. Mm-hmm. Yes, because he can have more angels on his side if he if they're willing to listen. Right. So they think if we don't, if he has this much power working by himself, mm-hmm. imagine if he had help. Right. It's like so the we whole... need to get rid of him now. So what we're saying is that heaven is a tyranny. Yeah. Yes. If we don't like heaven, it. heaven saw it as uh, this is for the greater good. Mm-hmm. In this book, it's like heaven is, yeah, a, a tyrannical dictatorship, and hell is almost like anarchy with like slight them all organization. Yeah, slight organization with rules that change every Tuesday. Yeah, for fun. and yeah. yeah, and if you broke the rules that change on Tuesday in the past, you're still in trouble. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I I honestly think and it's very scary and to think of it and I'm thankful that it's fiction to mm-hmm. think that in this version of heaven they're so dead set on Armageddon to prove that we are better than the demons, we will that destroy we the demons. That we yes, that we are literally willing to kill one of our own just mm-hmm. to make sure we can have this playground fight. And win. Mm-hmm. No matter what's in our it, way. Right. It's really, it's really millions sad. of people on, on, you know, in their way. Because they're supposed to care so much. Aren't we reflections of heaven? Are we supposed to be? Like they put a soul in us and we're a reflection of heaven. So they are um, not only killing their own, but they're also going to kill all of us. They were supposed to be reflections of them just to make sure that, you know, we are the biggest bully in the playground. Right. Mm. Which is and why that it's fiction. Yes. And on this fun note. <laughs> now we get to go to our, yes, I'm, that got really deep, but yes. Mm. But also it's, you can look at it as a happy thought because they're so worried that that means small hug shaped, polite Aziraphale. Mm-hmm is so good like shining beacon of hope good mm-hmm. that is- he's so good that th- that's why they're so worried and that's why that phrase is so true small acts of kindness that's how yes. you change it's not the big i mean if you can do big great but small also helps yeah that's Every why i love that quote from thing. gandalf go ahead that's Which why i love quote? that quote from 
the one um in is it I know it's in the new Hobbit trilogy um but where he says in my experience it's not big things but it's small everyday acts of kindness that keep the darkness at bay exactly doesn't he maybe he oh it makes me think he may have said that to Pippin after Pippin took the oath to be a steward or to be a a servant of Gondor no I because... thought he said that to Bilbo after maybe said, whatever the um... case it makes me smile and it's true because mm. mm-hmm. be kind little, people be kind and the little things add up mm-hmm. well when when you become think about things. it and and i think it's something i always i think about my life too is um when you aim for great things sometimes you yourself cannot get there and and there's so many obstacles and there are so many things but if you divide it in smaller goals and smaller things that you can go you want to get there if i I can be nice to my neighbor today it's not nothing no you're putting kindness out into the world that helps Mm -hmm. so yeah and it's it's again it's terrifying that so evan wants to take that right right but so the psa to come from this is be kind spread love try your best Mm -hmm. to be the best version of yourself yeah Mm -hmm. be a good human yes okay now we've reached our still yet untitled uh time of fun discussion questions (laughs) if you guys guys have any suggestions for what you'd like to to call this section I mean quirky, whenever, whenever quirky we, questions with whatever. Whenever like, we get here, I think about Sheldon fun with flags. Yes. <laughs> fun with flags. Here fun, we go. fun with flags. This is okay, so this is no, you know what this is now? It's what? fun with friends. Okay. Fun okay. with friends. I am changing this in the the document so we will remember it for next time. Fun fun with friends. Okay. So, your first question. Mm-hmm. You know it's possibly your last day on Earth. The end is nigh. How do you spend your last day? I now, would question to every- your question. Hold on. Question okay. to your question. Question to my question. Do I know today is the last day? Or like in advance, like a week in advance, like they do, like they know? Or... Sure, I'll give you a week in advance, but okay. look at it in the frame of you've tried this whole week. Things do not look like they're going to end well now. Because mm-hmm. that changes my answer. Thank you. Steph, go. I would probably make sure that I get everything legally in order in that week. And then. Honey, there's going to be no universe. Nobody else. There's, like the entire oh. universe is gone tomorrow. Okay. Okay. Forget about okay. The legal documents. Well, you, said, okay. you don't need you know, a will. You said you said it's possibly your last day on Earth. Like this the isn't end is nigh. The yeah, end. for you. <laughs> no, well, I mean for like okay. for everybody. Well, then I would everybody. call my friends and tell them that I love them. Yeah. Yeah. Rock your body. I mean, that is one way to spend the last day. Go ahead, yeah. Steph. Sorry. I would call my friends and tell them I love them. Oh, yes. I love you too. Hmm. That's, Anything that's else? Because you have a whole day no, that takes that. up. Okay. Because that, I'd probably be talking to them for a long time. So that's why I ask because that that 
that's why I changed my answer. Um, because if I knew, if I, if I found out this morning that this afternoon was going to be the end of the world, then I wouldn't have time to go back to Argentina and see my parents and see my friends there. But now that I know it's a week in advance, I can travel. I can go there and be with my family that I haven't seen in a long time. And I think most of us is going to choose be with loved ones and tell mm. loved ones that we love them. Mm. And eat I'm cake. starting to cry and I asked this question. <laughs> and eat pie. <sighs> I... I, too, would get together with my family, with our pets, with talk to those family members who... Oh, my God, I'm crying. Um, I did not expect this to make me literally cry. Oh, Jesus. Um, that... He's busy. And then... Well, and I don't... I believe he was a person, but we don't believe that he was, like, the savior. So, like, oh, Jesus doesn't really help me at all. <laughs> Um, but so, I mean, I gather my family and I think I'd want to, if we didn't have the ability to travel to someplace nice, mm -hmm. I think I'd want all of us to sit down and just have a nice meal mm -hmm. and just, oh my God, this is so sad. I'm making myself I know, cry. I know. It's, it's, I, it is. Um, like I would want to spend that time with the people I love mm -hmm. in a place that I love. Yes. And I need to stop talking about this because I'm crying. Yes. Because that, that's why my answer changed. Um, mm -hmm. I have, I have friends here, but you want to be, I don't know. My, my home is it's there. And it's also the, um, for those of us who believe in afterlife will be, that you're meeting people that are already gone, that you miss. Mm. So it, in a way, it has kind of a positive note to it. Mm. I regret asking this question. Yeah. Uh, well, it's good. They're emotions. It, We're humans. Uh, I know. Okay. Ethel will be crying too. <laughs> oh, my God. I, did, I, I This took me by surprise. I wrote the question, and I did not expect to... I just had to mute myself so that I could like wipe my eyes and blow my nose. I'm literally sitting here crying. Mm. Um, on a, the rest of the questions are way more fun. Uh, <laughs> Was this fun with friends? Oh, uh, and, uh, before we move on, just really quickly, the reason that I said call my friends is because I live with the family that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, obviously I would be spending a good chunk of the day with them as well. Yeah. I just, you know, figured that was a given, but just throwing that out there. Okay, I live yeah. with my cat, so. After we did cry with friends, now we'll do fun yeah, with fun friends. Fun with friends, <laughs> correct, correct. Uh, name one song that would be on your This Is My Pump Me Up Because It's The End Of The World playlist. Okay. Say Amen, It's Saturday Night by Panic At The Disco. It's that's uh, a good choice. Wicked on the weekend. Well, Mama, can I get another amen? And it is Saturday night. That's actually really, really I a good choice. I didn't even think of that yeah. until like literally when I was saying that. Yeah. I have two songs. Okay. First, 
I thought of Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, kind of futile. That's like yelling into the void at this point, I but I admire your, your tenacity for doing I, so. I want to leave to the fullest to the last second. And then for some reason, I thought of Jesus, He Knows Me by Genesis. Kind of like, he knows me. I'm going up there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Jesus take the wheel. And I was like, it might still be too late for that. I don't know. That was what I thought you were going to say. I got the wheel. I went the other direction and I said, uh, die young by Kesha. Uh, Let's make the most of tonight and live like we're going to die young. And because it's to me, I see that more as like a celebration Mm. of the life you have and mm-hmm. to enjoy every moment of life because mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to happen at any given moment. So yes. you need to live in the moment. Yes. Okay. Here's a really, I was really glad I wrote this question. <laughs> if you were a member of the gang that were the fake horsemen of the apocalypse that ra- mm-hmm. rode along with the real horsemen, what would your name be? Um, my name will be no cell phone signal. Can you hear me now? (laughs) Secretly, Africa by Toto. (laughs) See, I would definitely call you Africa by Toto because I fucking love Africa by Toto. Unironically, it like, like if I ever in my life get a chance to go to Africa, I will at some point on that vacation put that song on and dance around. I don't care if I'm in public, if I'm in like the the open like Serengeti plains. I don't care. I am gonna bless the rains down in Africa because I love it. Well, I'm secretly my, my best You're friend not and I. My best friend and I, Sarah, uh, who I shouted out on the last podcast, shout mm-hmm. out again because I love you. Um, we have a gift saved on each of our phones. It's uh, from a video that uh, Kristen Bell and her husband, uh, Dax Shepard, mm-hmm. did. And it's just, I love them. They're so cute. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, she's the one who voices Anna from Frozen. She's been in, what was it? Th- uh, this Is Us, I think. No, no, she's not. Oh, no, not this is us. Um, the one, the good, place. the show, the good place. There we go. Yeah. Um, she's been in a bunch of things, mm-hmm. but uh, it's the two of them dancing, like in in the rain, like, but the background is like nice and bright, and like there are some trees in the background. So mm-hmm. whenever one of us hears Africa on the radio, we just send each other a text with the GIF and no words. <laughs> like we do this for several songs. We have um, the GIF from Supernatural of Dean uh, when we hear Heat of the Moment. Oh, Heat of the, yes. Um, we have um, the GIF for Eye of the Tiger. Yes. Uh, from Jensen when Jensen did if you are listening to this, Jensen, we love you. <laughs> we love you so much. Um, yeah, so we have gifts we, for certain songs. We love you more because you don't like pickles. That's he correct. Like pickles? He doesn't like pickles. He's an <gasps> awesome human being. Yay! We have a gift for Carry On Wayward Son, but yes, uh, Africa by Toto. That's what I'm calling you now. Sorry. No. I don't that's... care that you're Africa now. 
Okay. What would your fake first person name be? Sarah. What would mine mine be? Bad drivers who don't use their motherfucking turn signals. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I could go on about that for 15 minutes, but I won't. And mine. What about yours? Mine might be the scariest of all. The American healthcare system. <gasps> so God, you got serious and dark about this. <laughs> I was just like, well, what pisses me off the most? And I was like, people who can't fucking drive. Like, and oh, you no. were like, no, uh, I'm going to name a real world serious problem. Oh, she, and that's- she, I think she rides in the back of death motorcycle with that. <laughs> Yes, yeah, she, she rides. She's on the little sidecar with that. In the little sidecar. Yes. In the little bit seat, right? Okay. Uh, last question for this week. You're a demon with an amazing sense of style. You are not Crowley. He already exists. Mm-hmm. What kind of car do you drive? I don't know, Sarah. What kind of car do you drive? I drive a Lamborghini Contac. Or Contash, <laughs> however you pronounce it. Uh Originally made starting in the 80s. For those of you who grew up watching the original Transformers cartoon, mm-hmm. uh, Autobots, Sunstreaker, and Sideswipe, the twins, the red and yellow uh, sports cars, they are Lamborghini Contashes. They are fast. They are kind Curious. of oddly shaped. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of oddly shaped. They're almost like sort of prism is shaped. But... They go fast, and they look sleek as hell. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be. I I wrote down Rolls Royce from like the fifties. Like I like the old oh, style. Nice. Oh, so like the Rolls Royce Bond car type yes. era. Yes, okay. I really like the like the old style because they're gonna be they're gonna have that kind of money. Mm-hmm. Um, None of us do. Do you think I can? I no, don't think demons, I'd be able to... Demons, demons uh, will have that. Well, I don't know. Depending on how long you've been alive, maybe you've managed to rack up that much money. Well, I just think about Lucifer. He can afford that car. He could just ask somebody what they truly desire, exactly. and then he could say, also, can I have this? And they'd be like, they'd sure. Be like, sure. Yeah. Anything um, for you. I have... Yeah. Two, but it depends, it, and it's because of my personality. Okay, so one Why? because you have two personalities, so you have two cars. <laughs> no, she'll, she'll be because I have demon. my my personality is a spectrum. It depends on which Stephanie you're getting. <laughs> okay. Um, one would be a tricked out Audi R8. I have used. Is that the- because of Tony Stark? Shut up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> No. Personally, I think no. Personally, I think that that Tony, I mean, I know that Audi was a sponsor and that's why they used oh, yeah. it. I'm pretty sure oh, no, no, Tony no, 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 no. would have designed his own cars yes. and no. would and would drive something that was much faster and flashier than an Audi. They yes. actually used Audis because Robert Downey Jr. loves them. Hmm. Well, I love him. Yes. Still. Well, Robert Downey Jr. absolutely adores Audis and yes, it has 
everything to do with my love of Tony Stark, but I have also gone onto the Audi website and several times have designed my dream R8 and it's over $200,000. So like if I get this car, I'm living in it. It's my house. Oh yeah. Lamborghinis are like quarter of a million more and more. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. it's. Oh yeah. And contashes are really rare because I don't Mm -hmm. know if they actually make them anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, like, I'd be driving a vintage one, which means it would be, like, I got to rob eight banks, and I'd be the worst thief because I'm super loud, terrible at being stealthy, and always (laughs) fess up the minute I do something wrong because I I am burdened with an overwhelming sense of guilt. (laughs) Ah, nice. The other one, because I am a bubbly person, would be... Mm -hmm. A because it's a bubble? No. A it would be a beetle. See? I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have I would to get... say, Mariano always says, if there, you know, if it's a beetle on the street, he's like, there's a woman driving it. <laughs> no, and not just, not just any beetle. In like 2016, I believe it was, there mm-hmm. was a pink beetle that was made. It would now, be a pink beetle. Question for you. My brain trailed off, and I'm thinking about the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile now. Would you Would you put eyelashes on your beetle? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. There's a back when I was still commuting to work. I take the I, I take the train into. Uh, sorry, my mother keeps attempting to call me, no despite problem. the fact that I keep texting her that I'm recording and I will call her later. Um. That uh, when I was commuting, I take the train into work, so Mm -hmm. into the city. So I park in the same parking lot every day. And you get familiar with the cars because generally you're Mm -hmm. taking the same train at the same time. So you see the same people. Mm -hmm. And there's this one yellow beetle with eyelashes. And I'm like, it looks so fucking stupid. Take the (laughs) eyelashes off. God, Um, please. Also, I I also start to hate on the people who leave their reindeer noses on till May. Like, (laughs) I'm like, it's almost summer now. Take the reindeer nose off. I know I would put the eyelashes on because I was gifted with a pair of eyelashes, even though I do not own a beetle, because the person who gave it to me was like, these just seem like you. <laughs> okay, so Sarah is saying that her name will be people that leave noses in the cars until after. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, well, that's also true. That's yeah. It's, um, it just, it drives me bonkers. It's like, you, you took the antlers off. Why couldn't you have taken the nose off at the same time? It's hotter. Is it really that For hard? the antlers, you just rolled out the windows and you take them off. But this one is twisted in there. But it's, it's May. <laughs> if you, you are no one of those scared. people, please know that Sarah does not like you. <laughs> yes. Also, don't, Sarah, don't you picture Steph in Penelope Glamour car? A what, huh? <laughs> Wacky races, Penelope Glamour. Oh my God, Penelope Pitstop's car. Yes. <laughs> hold yes. on, hold Penelope on. Steph car. Look at yes, that's it was, for you. <laughs> yes, uh, for listeners, if you were to Google um, the cartoon Wacky Racers oh my God. and Penelope <laughs> Penelope Pitstop, she drives this bright pink car. With an umbrella. <laughs> With an umbrella attached. Oh my God. And it has <laughs> lips on the front of it. Yes. Yep. 
So do yourselves a favor, listener. Google Penelope Pitstop's car from Wacky Racers. And yeah, that's basically, that's Steph's personality in turn into a vehicle. That that is horribly accurate and I hate it. In in Spanish, she was called Penelope Glamour. That's why I say Glamour, not Pitstop. Okay, that's why I would, yeah, she's Penelope Pitstop here. I like Glamour better. I, I mean that is pretty, too. but like I think they were going for alliteration, like mm-hmm, they did yeah. with Dick Dastardly. Yeah, but yeah, that is so uh, your car. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that that is my car. Oh god. Okay, and I wanted to make an announcement because we never actually like really discussed this when we started doing this podcast, uh, because we've kind of been dropping episodes absolutely randomly. Mm-hmm. Um. Which is fun, but not consistent. And I'm a fan of consistency. So this podcast is going to be weekly. We're trying to keep to a schedule of recording on Saturday mornings, uh, which is funny because it is a Saturday morning and the apocalypse is happening today. So also um, to all the (laughs) single women and good female friends, Happy Galentine's Day. Today Happy is Galentine's February 13th. Happy Galentine's Day from us to you. All the single ladies. All the, all the single, single ladies. ladies. We love you very ladies. much. And we hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Yes. Have some chocolate. So, yes. Treat yourself. Yes. Yes. So we're going to be recording Saturday mornings. And we're going to try to drop our episodes sometime between Sunday and Tuesday of every week. So... Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get excited when Soleil finishes editing and I'm like, no, I'm just going to post it right now. And then you get it at like <laughs> noon on Sunday. In the morning. Yeah. But so it will happen every week between sometime between Sunday and Tuesday, you will get a new episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we are weekly. We'll try not to be so random because we give you enough randomness when you listen. Yes. <laughs> so remember to follow us on social media. Uh, on what on Instagram we are Realm of Endless Stories podcast on Facebook the Realm of Endless Stories podcast on Twitter at Realm Stories Pod uh, you can email us uh, which you can also find linked on our Facebook page at the Realm of Endless Stories at gmail if you're enjoying taking this journey with us. Give us a follow on whatever platform you listen to us on and consider leaving a review. The world is officially ending, but it's not over yet. Join us next time for our discussion of the second part of Saturday and Sunday. Thanks for listening. Bye! Bye, Bye, little Sebastian! Miss you in the satisfaction! Bye, bye, Sebastian. Your five thousand candles in the wind. Bye.